Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. God's written word, the thoughts and the of God here written on page for us. Exodus 21, I'll read a few verses of scripture in here. I realize this is not in the gospels. I realize this is not a text that's taken from uh, the resurrection Sunday story of the death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, but hopefully we can hopefully we can marry these just a little bit today. The Bible says in verse number one, and, and for your own for your own um, attention, perhaps later you can look at Deuteronomy 15, verses 12 through 17, which hold very similar verses to these and maybe elaborate and give a little perspective or more information than maybe these give or different information at least. The Bible says, now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy a Hebrew slave six years, ye shall serve. And in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gave him a wife and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her master's. And he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall say plainly, I love my master, my wife, and my children. Or as it says in Deuteronomy, or if the servant says, I love my master, his house, and and that he does well with him. He says, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him into the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. With the help of the Lord this morning on this Resurrection Sunday, I want to minister this, freedom bound. Freedom bound. Amen. Let's go to the Lord right now. I know we've prayed much, but we need his touch here in the next few minutes. Father, we need you today. God, we're so thankful, Lord, for each song. Thankful, Lord, for your presence, God, that we have felt ebb and flow at times, Lord, in the services. The lyrics have been, Lord Jesus, submitted to you for worship and adoration. I pray, Father, today, God, meet us, Lord, at the preaching of your word. God, strengthen our heart or our soul today. Enlighten us, God. Open the minds of our understanding, God, to receive the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. And the church say amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. The first 20 chapters of Exodus are the story of an enslaved people being freed from their bondage. The first 20 chapters relates to us in them where God redeemed Israel from Egypt. And no sooner had God 
redeemed Israel from Egypt, that he led them through his servant Moses to the mount called Sinai. And there at the mount of Sinai, the law was given unto the children of Israel. Exodus chapter number 20 lists the Ten Commandments, those that many of us have known and learned about not bear false witnessing against our neighbor, do not steal, do not commit adultery, have no other gods before you. All these commandments that are listed in Exodus chapter number 20. And God introduces, or the introductions, if you will, of the commandments, he introduces with this phrase, he prefaces it with this, that I am the Lord your God, and I brought you out of Egypt, the house of bondage, or as other versions have it, I've brought you out of the house of slavery. Exodus chapter 21 through 23 is called the book of the covenant according to the word of the Lord. These laws or these judgments serve as an unfolding or a clarification of the Ten Commandments that are found in Exodus 20. In Exodus 21, this unfolding and clarification, it's like an exposition of the Ten Commandments, how these things are lived out in everyday life. And God reminds them again that he brought them out of slavery in chapter 20. And then in chapter 21, he starts out talking to them about enslavement again. They must, I don't know if, uh, I'm trying to put myself into the shoes of the children of Israel. I've just been released from years of bondage, years of servitude, years of being under oppression and the thumb of a master. i got to be scratching my heads because it's not been that long ago that I've been relieved from a cruel taskmaster. Our ancestors, they might even begin to argue, lived in Egypt. For 430 years and the last about 116 years of their stay there has been in slavery. We served with rigor. We served with chains. We, we, we made the Pharaoh self-glorifying cities and structures that he asked of us. And Moses, you even know of the beatings and the whippings that took place there. You saw an Egyptian one day that was smiting a Hebrew but I've been delivered from that. I've been brought out from that. I'm no longer a slave to Egypt. And now you're telling me some of the first words that you're going to elaborate on concerning these commandments. You're going to tell me this is something I need to know. I need to know how to treat a slave. I need to know and be given some guidance about how to manage a slave. You're telling me I need to know this so that preadventure, for one, if I'm ever a slave again, that I'll know how I'll be handled, how I'll be cared for, how I'll be attended to. You're killing me, Moses. You're killing me. I mean, I was just brought out of this, and now you're talking to me about it again. Moses, if I could lift up the shirt on my back, I could still show you the scarrings on my back from the whips of Egyptian slavery. Those memories of slavery are not going to soon be removed from my mind. That They're going to fade over time, but they're not going to be removed. And yet this is the first thing. Out of coming out of that, this is one of the first things you want to talk to me about? Slavery? Really? First, you must understand this morning that slavery spoken of in our text is quite different from the Egyptian slavery that Israel had been in for years. 
The slavery that Moses is speaking to them about in chapter 21 is quite different from the other peoples in the ancient Near East around their area. Under the law of Moses, enslaved people had kinship rights. They had marriage rights. They had personal legal rights relating to physical protection and any contract that they may have had. They, they had freedom to move about. They had access, if they desired it, to a certain level of liberty. Their slavery was not a permanent slavery unless they chose it to be a permanent slavery. Slavery was not as we think of it today. It's hard sometimes to preach or teach along these lines because people are so uh, in bondage to the not too distant past of our own American history. And so when we speak about things like this, everybody's mind just goes to that. What is familiar to us as a nation, a part of our dark past, might I say, of the United States. Amen. But this was not as we think. Slaves here in Exodus 21 were employees of the family business. They were indentured servants of sorts. They lived at the master's house and at his expense. They were part of the owner's family. They were part of his community to a degree. They were given some perks and privileges just like every other Israelite got the Sabbath one day of rest among the seven. The slave that was in the household likewise got one day of rest among the seven just like the other Israelites were allowed to go to the three major feasts of Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles. The slave also had that same courtesy that was extended to it. Often in American slavery, families were separated. Families were disassembled. Families were divided. But in Exodus 21, this type of slavery tried to the best of their ability to keep families together when possible. This type of slavery protected them against injury. As a matter of fact, if you read further on in Exodus, you'll find out that the Hebrews were not to mistreat strangers as they were mistreated in Egypt. In other words, this also applied if they had a Hebrew servant or a Hebrew slave. They were not to mistreat those slaves. They were not allowed to mistreat those enslaved people. The Bible will teach you in Exodus that if one of the slaves were injured, then they had the right to be set free because they were not to be injured. They could not be taken against their will. Someone couldn't just think one day, you know what, that person over there, I'd like to take them as a servant or a slave. And they would just buy them and take them. No, they could not be taken. A slave could not be taken against their will. They could not be sold against their will. They could not be forced to serve if they didn't want to serve. Just stay here with me for a little bit. If a master, the Bible says in Exodus, that if a master murdered his servant or his slave, then that master, that owner, got the death penalty on his life. They weren't to be mistreated. They weren't to be mishandled. It says in the Bible that if the slave ran away, then that slave could go on and gain their liberty. In other words, if they ran away, they're not going to send out a posse or a committee to try to go get them and rope them back to the master or the owner. No. If they ran away, evidently they don't want to be here. So they would just go on and let them gain their liberty. And so they were free to do, to go, amen, as they chose. The slave, again, could not be forced to serve. He could not be sold into slavery. 
by another person. And so you ask, well, Brother McGee, if all of this is said and done, then how in the world can he become enslaved? And the answer is quite simple, debt. Someone say debt. Debt. If you ever found the Old Testament writ of a Hebrew individual having a Hebrew slave, it was most likely because of the slave's debt. It wasn't forced. Another person didn't sell him. But that man that was in debt hired himself out as a slave due to his debt. He was poor. He didn't have the means to pay. He didn't have the means to give. So he hired himself out as a slave in order to pay his debt. Someone say amen. amen. That brings me to a little bit, if I may rub shoulders with our occasion for celebration today. Because whenever I speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll tell you this morning as the passage of Scripture goes by our eyes, that he who knew no sin became sin for us. Amen. Everyone who sins in the gospel of John, Jesus said, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We were delivered, might I say, from our own personal Egypt. We had that first 20 chapter of Exodus experience and moment where we were brought out of our slavery and we gained redemption. The Bible says that Jesus Christ took the sin that he bore in his body to the cruel cross. And the punishment of all the acts that happened upon the cross, guess what? Was not for Christ, but it was for us. He bore our griefs. He was afflicted with our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement for our peace. Stripes for our our healing. He took the ordinances, handwritings that were against us and took them out of the way and blotted them out by nailing them to the tree that he was nailed to. Someone say amen. amen. Thank God. Jesus conquered death. He got up. He resurrected. The Bible says in Corinthians, Oh, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. What this means is this. The law helps us to see our sins, but the Bible says the wages of sin is death, and so Jesus tasted the death that was triggered by sin and he rose victoriously over it. Jesus paid the sin debt. I had a debt that I could not pay. I had a debt that I was insufficient of making good on and I had to see that the only answer to my debt was to hire myself to someone that could pay, to someone that had the means, to someone that had the ability. Sin was our debt, but we were too poor to pay. But the Bible says he that was rich became poor, that through his poverty we might be made rich. Our life is not our own. We've been bought with a price. But God will not force us to serve. Neither will he purchase us from a third party, so to speak. The Bible says in Romans, and this is where the peculiarity is, just as they faced in Exodus, being set free from sin. 
being set free from then the implication is the bondage of sin the slavery of sin we become slaves to God wait hold on you're saying redeemed from slavery to enter into a relationship of slavery just like Israel vote we just got out of this and now you're talking to us about slavery again someone say amen so I've been I've been set free from the bondage and the slavery of sin to become the slave of God not forced upon you by your choice God is a gentleman from Eden to Revelation. If he wanted to, Brother Trout, he could have made sure that Adam and Eve never ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil if he wanted to. But if so, he'd been crossing over their wheel of decision and choice. God's a gentleman. And it's love every love of love if it's forced love. He's a gentleman. A Hebrew thought, listen to me today, a Hebrew thought with these things in mind, the best way to meet their needs, the best way to meet their needs and pay their debts was by being someone's slave. Couldn't do it on their own. So the best way to cure the condition, the situation, had their needs met was and their debts paid was to be someone's slave. And so that Hebrew individual that was in a very horrendous state of affairs would find another Hebrew and say, could I sell myself to you? Can I sell myself to you? I'm going to sell myself to you maybe perhaps because that was the individual that they owed the money to. They might sell their, set themselves to another Hebrew because that Hebrew may have paid off their debt that they had to somebody else. They would come and approach that man and said, may I sell myself unto you? He said, well, sure. He can't force him to do it, but since he was asked to do it, he says, for sure. And yes, then, at that moment in time, that slave would be emancipated from his debt as we are emancipated from our sins. But now, he was a slave to a new master. Someone say amen. He was slave to a new master. And so with that in mind, I want to talk to you today as Moses, by the hand of the Lord, talked to the Israelites about the proper slave street treatment that one should receive in this regard. And we got to today, we got to turn this slave terminology on its head. We look through the lens of negative connotations again from our recent past. You got to dismiss all of that this morning. But we got to understand this. If a Hebrew had a master after being delivered from Egypt, it was this indication. It was the indication that someone was being generous enough to him to get him out of debt. If he was being a slave after he'd been delivered from Egypt, it was a note that someone was being generous enough to him to get him out of debt. You might look at him and say, my goodness, I can't believe a Hebrew would be under the thumb of another Hebrew person. And as an outsider, we would say that's just horrendous indentured servitude. That's just horrendous slavery. But to that man that was the slave, what others called slavery, he was calling another man's generosity. I'm standing here. 
here today and you can look at my relationship with God and you can size it up and measure it and say boy he's bound boy he's confined boy what a relationship I thought he said he found liberty he did by being owned by a new master you might call it slavery but I call it God was generous enough to pay the affair to pay my Don't weep for me. Don't cry for me. Don't hang your head low and say, boy, he's got it bad. No, no, no. It was by my choice and my choosing. I said, would you pay the price here? Would you lay down what was necessary here? I'll serve you. It's generosity. Someone say amen. Slaves in Exodus 21 became a part as a result of this relationship, became a part of a stable household. They held steady jobs. They had their needs met because now they're tethered to a different master. They got in debt because they were poor. They got in debt because they didn't know how to handle their own affairs. They didn't know how to handle what they had properly. But when they started working for the master and got in the business that the master was involved with, they began to learn how to handle various matters of life best because they learned it from the master. I'm here to tell you today, before I found God, I don't, I don't have much different than what I did before I found God when it concerns earthly matters and, and things of monetary means. Not much different. But how I handle those things are totally different. Before I found God, I mishandled my own life. Before I found God, I mishandled my own affairs. But after I joined myself to the master, after I sold myself to the master, I began to pick up on the way that he handles business the way that he handles oh, somebody hear me right now someone say amen. amen so the purpose of slavery under the mosaic law was to create a responsible independence not bondage Meaning, that slave, before the relationship with his master, knew how to do life wrong. But now, because of his newfound relationship with the master, had a chance to discover how to do it right. Some of us could write the book on how to do life wrong. We could write how to do life wrong for dummies. Been down that alley. Tried that. Did that venture. Sucked in that gimmick. Believed that lie. You, you don't have to tell us how to do life wrong. We know that. We wrote the book on it. But if you would just sell yourself through your liberty to a master, he's going to rewrite. He's going to help you rewrite what was wrong. See, irresponsibility got the slave in debt. 
But responsibility would help him get it out of it. Get out of it. All they needed to do was a manager. All they needed to do was manage their affairs like their master had taught them. Like he managed his affairs. Being a slave in Exodus 21 in reality was on the job training for not repeating the same mistake that humanity got us in with this sin debt thing from the beginning. Amen. Being under the tutelage of the master was on job the training of how not to go down the same path as Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and others before them. We are a part as a result of being a part of his household, a steady household, and his riches supply all of our needs. Someone say amen. After six years, a Hebrew slave had the option to be released. In the seventh year. Slavery wasn't permanent. Unless the slave chose it to be. I mean. He didn't even become enslaved. Unless he sold himself. And accepted the payment of his would be master. He could go out free. For nothing, the Bible says in verse number two. On that seventh year, if he chose the option, he could leave and he could go out free for nothing. What that meant was this, Brother Fred, that if in those six years he didn't get the debt paid off that he had paid off in the seventh year, whether it was all paid or not, he could go free. If after six years it didn't equate to the amount of their debt that the master paid, they could still go. Because listen to the pastor this morning. Every enslaved person has an opportunity to leave from time to time. You might not have been forced into this. You might have chosen it. But there will come at junctures in the road along your journey with the new master that you'll have opportunities and options for leaving. It comes just as regular as the sun coming up each morning. The Bible even tells us that these slaves could even run away before the seventh year, as I already told you. And if they did, nobody had to go get them. They weren't forced to come back. They would just go and they could run away. Amen. But when they left, listen to me right now, whether it was the seventh year or before the seventh year, when that slave left, amen, but they would have to better remember that that owner never injured them. When they left, they would have to remember that he never attempted to kill them that when they left they would have to remember what they had when they had him that he wouldn't force them to stay but neither would he tell them to leave you, can I tell somebody this morning if you've ever found yourself in a slave relationship with God him being the servant and you being the master let me tell you something today you can turn your back on God because opportunity and options going to show up along the journey you can and turn your back on God. You can kick dust up in the direction of God. You could say that God is too stringent of a master, but you better remember the provision that you had at his table and the kindness and the generosity that he showed toward you and the benefits that flowed from the relationship you had with him. Amen. Someone say amen. 
Get it. If he chose to left, the Bible says, if the slave came to the master by himself, he goes out by himself. If the slave came in the master's house married, he goes out with his wife. But if the slave came into the master's house and in the master's house the master provided a wife for him and then he had sons and daughters, the slave still goes out by himself. He doesn't get what the master gave to him. Someone hear me right now. He says if he goes in by himself, he comes out by himself. If he goes in with a wife, he comes out by a wife. If he goes in and gets a family while he's there, he's going out by himself. He's trying to let him know that if you leave... If you leave the master's house, you're leaving what you approached his house with. If you came with a lion, wife, you leave with You're going to leave with what you had whenever you came regarding your family. Whatever you came with, that's what you left with. Amen. And listen, a slave in the master's house that didn't have a wife or children or anything like that. Think here with me for a moment. He was in debt. In that day, it was required of a dowry being paid to the mom and dad of the woman in order to get and secure her hand in engagement or even in marriage. And so a slave does not have a means. If he didn't already have a wife, a slave does not have a means to get a wife. And so if he got one while he was a slave, that was because his master paid the price for him to have her. Yet if he ever decided to leave, Anything he gained from his master, wife, children, the enslaved person left and his family stayed because they are stemming from a result of his master's generosity. In reality, the master owned those things. Resemble them again. I'm saying. We're freedom bound. But there's times in life that come along the opportunity is going to be there to leave. And when you, when you mull over in your mind about leaving, you got to ask yourself this one simple question. What are you willing to leave behind as you go? What, what, what are you willing to leave behind as you go? However, Scripture also tells us in Deuteronomy 15, <coughs> That whenever they left, this isn't regarding family, but whenever they left and it came to flocks and grain and wine, the Bible says that they were not to go out empty. They were to be given of these particular things liberally. So they might not be able to take family members, a wife or children that they gained in their slavery. But whenever it comes to flocks and when it comes to wine and when it comes to grain, they were to be not go empty handed. They were to be given these things liberally. Why? Because whenever they ate the bread, whenever you talk about flocks and you talk about grain and you talk about wine, you're talking about some of the daily necessities of humanity of that time. And so whenever that person went out, when have anything of their own so they got their flocks from their master they got the grain from the master they got the wine from the master and when they went to try to live their life apart from the master when they brought the bread to their lips and they brought the drink to their lips and whenever that goat brushed along their legs you know what they would remember they would remember the lessons they learned 
at the master's house and how he ordered his affairs as they were walking out among the pasture and some of those lambs would brush their legs they would recall the time and the attention that the master gave amen in his home to them and so whatever he came with the slave he left with except for some reminders of his time spent at the master's house except for some of the lessons that he learned at There's people today that the option came to leave and they left. Some ran away before that option ever came. But you know what they're living their days right now doing? Having memories and glimpses from the past. Every time they touch a certain thing in their life or a certain event takes place, a memory is triggered when they sat at the master's table and he put the bread before their mouth. And the, don't you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. People's told it to me. Although they chose to leave, they do not forget the master. They do not forget their time spent in the house of God. They do not forget the generosity and the privilege. He said, you load them down liberally with all these things of life because I want them to remember if they leave what they left. I want them to remember if they go what they put in the rearview mirror. I want... They were quote unquote free, but they never forgot the master. Let me tell someone here today that just because an opportunity for leaving comes does not mean you must take it. Year seven was coming, every slave knew it. Option, I could leave. But an option to leave is not a demand. If the man, when he had a chance to go, and everyone does from time to time. If the man, the Bible says, loved his master. And what he had as a result of his master. He could decide to stay forever. The Bible says he would plainly say, I love my master. In other words, he, he didn't confuse the matter. He wasn't ambiguous in what he said. He was quite clear. I love my master. This is my desire as a slave. I love my master. I will not go out free. I want to stay with the master. Why? Deuteronomy says because he loved his master. He loved his master's household. And he realized that he did well. Wait. He did well. Whenever I tried to take care of my own life and own affairs, it, I got in debt. I got, if you will, in the deep drudgery of the world. But I realized since I've been with the master, I've done pretty good. Since I've been with the master, I've fared pretty well. I've kept my head above the water. He says, because I love him and I love his house and I love how I do with him, I will not go out free. What did that slave realize in that moment? He realized he gained more being a slave than attempting to live his life on his own he gained more being the slave to the master than trying to live his life by himself and to be free to be quote unquote free was to lose everything that he had grown to love
Scholars tell us. I'm hurrying. Scholars tell us that free is not what we think. Free of bondage or free of the ties to the master. Whenever this individual would re-enter society, they say that they would re-enter society still somewhat below a full citizen. So free wasn't free as we would regard free. The Bible says that if he said, I love my master, upon that declaration, that slave was taken to the door or the doorpost, the Bible says. And you understand with me. That slave was taken to the door or the doorpost. The Bible says that his ear would be bored through with an awl. He loves his master enough and household enough and how he fares there enough that he says, I chose to become a slave and I choose not to relinquish being a slave. I choose to be a slave to you forever because I have benefited more in this life than the life that I had before you. And so the master says, okay, we're going to take you to the door or the doorpost, and we're going to bore your ear through with an awl. Now this is, call it coincidence, I call it divine by God, that the master of the house would take that slave to the doorpost, the very same place that the children of Israel had struck blood on for their deliverance from Egyptian bondage. So I'm going to take you back to the place of the doorpost. I'm going to take you back to the place where the blood was shed of a lamb. And we're going to put a mark on you that you're going to be mine forever. I don't know if this is everything that Paul was speaking about in the New Testament Scripture. But the Bible says that Paul in the New Testament said, he said, don't trouble me anymore. He said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Many say Paul was referring back to this Old Testament custom of a slave becoming a forever slave to his mess. Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what are you talking about, Paul? Well, anything that we see concerning injury upon the cross, the hands were pierced. The feet were pierced. The crown of thorns pierced the head. The spear pierced the side. The Old Testament Hebrew master said to the Hebrew slave, let me take you to the doorpost where the blood of the lamb was shed. And let me put the mark of a forever slave. Let me pierce you. I'm closing this morning. Freedom bound. Freedom bound. Whenever that slave, and I'm closing. Whenever that slave said that I will not go out free. I'm going to be yours 
forever. I'm going to live my life forever for you. And let, let me just get the verbiage exactly the way it is here in Scripture. That he would serve him forever. Listen, for us, that's, well, he's going to serve him till he dies. That's forever. But they say the Israelite concept of forever was this, when that slave would say that. That means that when I die, the descendants that I've had in this life will continue serving you. And their descendants that they have in their life will Honey, you got to think about it before you leave. You got to think about it before the option to go comes. Because when you choose to leave, the descendants of your family and generations to come are hinged on that moment. Of decision, you saying they could never? I'm not. They could sell themselves to the same master, perhaps. But I'm saying we have a great shift of odds. I'm freedom bound. I've been set free to be bound up. I've been set free from sin to be bound up to a master that paid the price for my sin, and I got perks at his table. I got all of my affairs in order. And I've gained so much being with him more than what I've ever tried to gain on my own. And my question today then is this. Why wouldn't you want him to be your master? If you are in debt today, and I'm not talking about your credit cards and your bank loan. If you are in debt today to sin, we are here with celebration this morning because the price has been paid but he's not going to force that price on you. He's not going to say, Sheila McGee, I know you got this debt of sin. I paid it. You're mine now. No, he paid it. But you got to be willing to give yourself for the selling. I believe today there may be people sitting in the sound of my voice this morning. You see your dilemma. But you're not yet at the place willing to offer yourself up to a new master. There may be others here today, if you bow your heads, there may be others here today contemplating. I'm done with this junk, doing the master service and his business. And Honey, you better stand still for a moment. Think about the steady table you have. Think about what you've acquired while you've been under his hand of tutelage. You better think about what did you have when you came? Because in some means you're going to leave the same way and the only thing you're going to have is the memories. Tokens of memories of what it like was in the Father's house. Did not the prodigal son himself have opportunity to leave the father's house and he said father give it to me all that's mine you know what all of that should have been for the prodigal memories of what it was
was like being in daddy's house. But he spent it all on riotous living until one day he came to himself. And he says, does not even the servants in my father, does not even the slaves in my father's house have bread enough to spare. What's he say? I'm going to go back. I'm going to say I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just make me a servant, which is Dulio's slave. Make me a slave. Why? Because I'd be better off being a slave in daddy's house than not being in his house at all. You know what the revelation of New Testament scripture is? That if you love him to the point of him being your master, he'll make you not only slave but son. You'll become an heir. That happened with slaves. Listen, the history teaches us in the Greek and Roman, the Greco-Roman world, that slaves become a part many times when they became these love slaves, a part of the family of their master. Brother Fred, they took on the master's name. This is history. Many of them, their tombstones had the master's name upon their tombstone and they could go to the book of registry of the city listen to me and in the book of registry they were whatever say my my master's name was was you know jesus christ then it would be paul mcgee jesus christ in the book of registry you know what that book of registry was called in the greco-roman world the book of life are you hearing me it was called in the book of Revelation, the Bible says he opened the books at the book of life. I wonder if he could go down there and find a slave's name by Paul McGee. Paul McGee and whatever his master was. These altars are open. Your freedom bound. That's ambiguous today for a purpose. You're bound for freedom, but your freedom is in your binding to a new master. Is there anybody here today that would allow the reality of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to be a part of your life? That you would be freed from sin and you would be bound unto the righteousness of God. That you would be freed from an old life, but you would put on a new life in Christ Jesus and become a new creature. Amen. That the affairs of the old would pass away and behold, all things would become new. You're just trading partners. You're just trading masters. But I guarantee you, he will not injure you. He will not attempt to kill you. He will not force you. He'll be a gentleman to you. But he'll just want you to love him. And if you choose to be so, you can be his forever. But it'll be your choice. These altars are open this morning. I wish somebody would come. I wish some members of our congregation would come. Set an atmosphere of prayer right now. Amen. All across this place. Because somebody today is in that is in that little 10 year of time. I'm on fifth year or sixth year. Somebody's having an opportunity to leave. Some are thinking about running away. You better think twice. Somebody is saying, I can't handle this debt on my own. And they're ready to sell themselves unto the Lord. They're ready. He's here to meet you this morning. He's here to meet you today. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. I don't have anything, Brother McGee. That's all right. I don't have anything to offer. That's all right. But he has much to offer you if you will surrender to him. If you'll surrender to him. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.